Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And good morning and welcome into Inside the Clubhouse. I am David Schuster filling in for Mike Esposito. He, of course, is Bruce Levine. Bruce is out at the ballpark at Wrigley Field. I'm in studio today. Our number, as always, is 312-644-6767. And, of course, you can text us at 67011. This opening segment here on Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Want complete flexibility with your ticket plan? The Chicago Wolves Flex Plan provides 10 undated vouchers at a discount. Visit Chicago. ChicagoWolves.com for information. And this hour on the score brought to you by Sunrise Chevrolet in Glendale Heights. The bright way to buy. It's going to be a sunny day, supposedly, later this afternoon. Bruce is out at the ballpark, and I say good morning to my friend and compadre Bruce Levine. It's going to be a nice day. They're uh, wetting down the infield now after heavy rains here last night. But should be a nice day here at Wrigley. And, uh, boy, what an exciting game uh, they're playing off of yesterday with the Another Bodie walk-off, Murphy tying the game uh, or putting the Cubs ahead in the eighth inning. Just a lot of electricity going on here. White Sox fans, Kopech Magic starting uh, last Tuesday. He'll pitch again Sunday. Some controversy. David and I are always here for you at 312-644-6767. Text David at 670 He'll read all that is worthy on the air. And by the way, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your top restaurant, deli, and bakery in Chicagoland. They invite you to share with them the best food in the area seven days a week. The holidays are coming quickly. Make sure you get your New Year's food from them. Best cooks and food experts at Max and Benny's. The new party room handles all your affairs from 10 to 150 with private sections and great deals. Ask for John at Max and Benny's uh, uh, for all your catering needs in this area as well. Dinners from 4 to 9, 7 days a week. Feature the best food and trimmings in the city. Lox, corned beef, pastrami, smoked sable, and the best bakery in the world await you at Max and Benny's, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some maxandbennys.com. Love you some David Bodie. David Schuster. <laughs> you know, Bruce, I'm fortunate to uh, be involved in a lot of different shows here on this station. I got to tell you, and I think I've said this to you before, this is the one show where people line up to call you specifically even before the show starts. So we do have Matt and George who have already checked in, and we're going to get to them in just a moment. Again, uh, our phone number is 312-644-6767. We do have literally inside the clubhouse, we're going to hear from uh, uh, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds, Jim Riggleman, who's been a friend to both Bruce and myself and, and everybody else who's been involved in baseball for so long. He's going to be joining us at 930. We'll have special other um, surprises in store for you throughout the show. We want to talk about David Bodie, who, of course, is becoming a cult hero here in Chicago. A couple of walk-off home runs to win games over the last couple of weeks, including yesterday. We want to talk about some of the Cubs additions that 
uh, Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein have made here over the last week, who have certainly paid dividends. Cole Hamels a little bit more than the last couple of weeks. He has been unbelievable, 4-0 with a 0.79 ERA, Bruce. And, of course, Daniel Murphy. He's had two hits in all three of his games, all victories, since he's joined the Cubs. So there's been a lot of good stuff that has happened on the north side over the last couple of days. And uh, you give Epstein, Hoyer, and uh, Joe Madden and the Cub organization tremendous amount of credit for pushing their way through failures by you Darvish to stay healthy failures by Tyler Chetwood to get anything done on a consistent basis five wins out of that 170 million dollars spent on those two guys and yet uh, they don't sit back feel sorry for themselves instead they go out and they get a Hamels who had a 10.26 ERA in his last four starts in Texas before they picked him up. Nobody really was excited about getting Hamels except the Cubs, who had the scouting report saying that uh, this guy's velocity has actually ticked up Mm -hmm. from May until June and July, that all he needs probably is a a new venue, a place to pitch outside of Texas, which is a horrendous place to pitch for uh, almost any pitcher in the game, and a, a new resolve of pitching in a pennant race. And look what you got. In five starts, you got an 0.79 ERA. You got a guy that hasn't given up more than one run in any of those starts, and uh, he has been a savior along with him and Montgomery from the time that Darvish went down. Uh, these two guys saved the starting pitching staff for the Cubs. We're going to talk certainly about the Cubs. We're also going to delve into the White Sox. There's a lot to talk about with Michael Kopech, both on and off the field. We still are looking forward to seeing Eloy Jimenez, uh, some of the improvement. Maybe. Well, maybe, of course, at some juncture, whether it's this year or next. We'll talk about that, of course. The White Sox have won some games. Have they done themselves a disservice? A lot of fans want them to finish as low as possible and get a higher draft pick. They're still going to get a good player in the amateur draft. There's no question. Carlos Rodon has been really, really good, and he's only going to get better, in my opinion. Dylan Cease, they shut down for the rest of the season, so you won't be seeing him for sure. So there's a lot to talk about. And Bruce, again, this show blows me away because you, the, the people line up. They want to talk to you, and they want to ask you questions. So no, They're actually sh- on hold for Rosenblum afterwards. No, no, no. I can tell these are calls specifically oh, okay. for you. Right. I know his callers. They're different beyond belief. So why don't we go right to the phone lines right off the bat, and uh, let's start out River North in the city. And, and Matt, go ahead, Matt. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, fellas. Yeah, Bruce, I had a few questions for you. One, um, remember the Norwood kid the Cubs brought up, uh, I think it was right before the All-Star break, to me, he had very impressive stuff. Is there any chance that he will be part of the bullpen in September? Um, and, you know, he could be – I mean, I think he's got electric stuff, and he could be a eighth, ninth-inning guy if he can – if he has the control. He looked like he had a decent breaking ball. And my other point is, Daniel Murphy, what a pickup. If if the game was on the line, I don't think there's a player in baseball I'd want up more than him. And I'm uh, dead I mean, serious. Thanks, Matt. You know what? Uh, and, and thanks, Matt. David, um, they're going to bring up people September 1st like mm-hmm. all teams are, and some of those good arms at AAA will be up here to help fortify a bullpen that probably should get uh, the Purple Heart and uh, <laughs> uh, all kinds of awards for having just gone out there and, and pitched almost perfectly uh, throughout the year to keep the Cubs in first place. But, um, you know, the, the Murphy situation is uh, is so intriguing because uh, – Here's a professional hitter that has just destroyed the Cubs, uh, a lot of other teams as well over the past four years, but in particular the Cubs uh, during the regular season, hitting 413 at Wrigley Field during his 
career, the highest number of anybody in history, destroying them in the playoffs in 2015, continuing to hit against them last year with Washington in the NLDS. Um, what a uh, breath of fresh air to that offense that needed resuscitation very desperately uh, coming in. But more importantly, he reminds me a lot of Wade Boggs. And uh, obviously he's not going to hit 330. He has more punch than Boggs did uh, for his career. But he's a guy that, you know, looks at situation, looks at pitches, and uses the entire field, something that uh, the Cubs have been preaching all year to their players uh, coming off of last year's uh, big swing and miss uh, event in the playoffs and wanting uh, them with Chili Davis to work on more contact, more two-strike hitting, more opposite field hitting, a different approach, and and certainly – there's not a better example of that than Daniel Murphy on a daily basis. I think the best way to describe Daniel Murphy, and, and we'll get to know him better, obviously, as time goes on, definitely a professional hitter, no question about that. And also a clutch hitter. I always remember he came through in the clutch, unfortunately, against the Cubs. And already here in the three games, like I said, two hits in each of his three games so far, he definitely has hit in the clutch. That home run yesterday was really huge. I have, I have, to, I have to compliment him uh, on one thing before we go to the mm-hmm. phones again, David, mm-hmm. and that is... The way he answered his, uh, the questions yesterday uh, seamlessly and seriously with purpose about uh, some of the homophobic issues that occurred uh, three years ago uh, when he uh, basically said that he didn't think uh, that was right. Uh, he had his conversations with Billy Bean, who uh, works for Major League Baseball. They developed a friendship. Uh, there's a new tolerance uh, there, I think, on both sides. And uh he uh, said, you know, I would think that uh, everybody should be welcome at Wrigley Field. And uh, he, I thought he handled the, the situation beautifully after taking uh, three pretty tough questions yesterday. Yeah, 100%, Bruce. There's always a best way of dealing with something, and that's usually head-on, and that's exactly what he did. And, and now it's hopefully in the past as far as that goes. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Let's stay here in the city, one of my favorite parts of Chicago, Old Town, and pick it up with George. Go ahead, George. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hi, Bruce, I'm, and, and, and Mr. Schuster. I'm so glad you're in the clubhouse. I'm wondering about Bryant and about Brandon Morrow. And I was just listening to Sports Medicine. Is he is Brandon still throwing in order to accelerate his comeback? And is it better that he, you know, kind of rest it out a little bit and wait for the playoffs? And how is, how is, is uh, Chris coming along? Because getting both those guys back will – be a lot for you know heading for a championship down the road here. Well, I thanks, think George. I think we're going to see Brian take some BP today. Um, they're they're starting right now. The uh, grounds crew is fixing up the field for BP, and the plan yesterday, David, as you know, was that Brian was going to hit uh, on the field. Uh, the rains kind of washed that away. He hit in the cage. Uh, he wants to take in a, a significant amount of hitting in the cage today, maybe again tomorrow, and then. Maybe uh, going toward next week if everything is good, and right now it is. Uh, he's able to extend his uh, left shoulder, the one with the impingement in it, and continue to uh, swing the bat well. I think you're going to see him go out on a rehab for a couple of days and maybe be ready by September 1st to be added uh, along with the expanded roster. Yeah, no question. He's going to be back. Uh, he'll have, I don't know how long that rehab will be, Bruce, probably two, three games at the minor league level. That's right. a guess on my part. But I'll tell you what, Davey Bodie certainly has been a great fill-in in the meantime while Bryant is out. And it's interesting talking about yesterday's heroics by Bodie because 
I'm down in the dugout area, you know, ready to jump on the field to do the interview right after the game. And it was delayed one inning, of course, because the home run given up by Strope, but all's well that ends well. And Javier Baez, <laughs> he's sort of a, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, a, uh, he likes to have fun. That, that much can be said. And he brought out that Gatorade thing at the top of the, uh, or excuse me, yeah, the, uh, when the inning started in the bottom of the 10th inning, he brought it out there in anticipation of throwing it at somebody. I don't know if he had Bodie in mind, but he brought it out there and he had that sort of like the cat that ate the canary look on his face. And then as soon as he hit the home run, Bodie did. Baez was out there with that immediately to toss it on him as he hit home plate. That was really a cool scene at home plate yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was. And uh, on top of that, uh, I talked to Morrow at length yesterday. I talked to Montgomery at length uh, yesterday. First with Morrow, um, they they feel that uh, there's it's okay for him to continue to throw. Uh, he said he's going to continue to have pain in there probably the rest of the year, but that uh, he's, his attempt is to come back in September and be available a couple times a week at the very least, throw when he can, and you know be in addition certainly at the end of the game with his 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Montgomery said he feels great. Uh, he's supposed to uh, have another side session here soon, and then Wednesday against the Mets, is his objective. He said he thinks he's going to be able to take the ball and make the post on Wednesday against the Mets after being on the DL for a while here. So so good news coming forth on these two guys. We can talk about you, Darvish, and what occurred with him as well. The end of his season, Chatwood on the DL with a hip issue. Um, more issues, of course, but certainly this physical one right now. Uh, everything Cubs, everything Sox, 3-1-2. Six four four six seven six seven. Let's sneak in one more phone call before we have to go to break, Bruce, and let's go out to Barrington and pick it up with Mitch. Go ahead, Mitch. You're on inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, hey, uh, you know, regarding the uh, the Hamels trade, if if there is a better trade deal or waiver deal this season so far, then somebody's going to have to point it out to me. I mean, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders when they made the deal. I thought, you know, he's insurance if. Darvish doesn't come back, or if somebody else gets hurt, or maybe he slots into a fourth or fifth starter. But, uh, you know, who could have predicted, imagined that uh, he would be this good for the Cubs? I know getting out of Texas is going to help him. Getting away from that heat is going to help him. Uh, getting out of the American League is going to help him. Right. But, uh, you know, in another week or so, we may well be talking about him being the uh, National League Pitcher of the Month for August. And uh, he wasn't even there the whole month. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, you're, you're right. It, it's a great point. And appreciate you know, the phone on, call, Mitch. On top of that, David, uh, he, here's the ed- educated part of where metrics and the eye test both came into play in deciding to trade for Hamels. This is a guy that doesn't walk people. What's been the the biggest problem for Chatwood and some of the other guys is walks. Okay, so you bring in a guy that's going to throw strikes. The the eye test and the metrics both show that he was throwing 94 miles an hour in May. He was throwing 91, 92. And uh, just the idea uh, that this guy was physically on top of his game, a big game pitcher from the past, and going to the National League where the slug is a little bit less than the American League, all made a lot of sense. Nobody, including Mr. Epstein, Mr. Hoyer, would have predicted the results so far. But nonetheless... 
it was a, a really well-educated guest to make this trade, and it certainly has worked out. You know, Bruce, you and I have been covering this sport for a long, long time, and we've seen a lot of acquisitions, much like Cole Hamels, and you're just never sure, even from our standpoint, are you getting a guy who's over the hill, he's done? Are you getting a guy who just needs to be re-energized, which seems to be the case here? There's no question in watching him. I don't know what was going on down in Texas for a litany of reasons, but since he's coming here... He's an ace of a staff the way he's pitching right now. I mean, his, his velocity is unbelievable. He, his, his sinker or his slider, they're both tricking the hitters at the plate. He's rejuvenated. The team is rejuvenated with him on the mound. I mean, there's nothing negative to say you know, at all. He's been fantastic so and, far, and nothing he, less. Here's something really uh, interesting to keep in mind that Joe Madden alluded to. And, uh, you know, your, your friend of mine, Jeff Vukovic, and I talked about this yesterday. He reminded me that Hamels was throwing on his sixth day. And that uh, this rejuvenation to the Cub pitching staff, which is all of a sudden the starters are pitching deeper into games, having more, more proficient games, uh, predicated on some rest here and some days off. Uh, that's not the, They're not going to have that until August 13th now. Mm-hmm. But the good news is, on a, as of August 1st, and with Montgomery coming back, they can go to a six-man rotation. Okay, John Lester might not like it. Hendricks might not like it every day. But from this point of the year on, having five days rest as opposed to six is, a, is certainly going to help for a couple of weeks. And, and that should be the panacea here for this rotation going forward. All right, Bruce, let's take a break right now. Uh, we do have Jim Riggleman, the Reds manager, coming up at the bottom of the hour at 930. Some other surprises in store. We also have some people on hold. We'll try and get to your phone calls as well. So we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back right after this. 926, welcome back into Inside the Clubhouse. We have Jim Riggleman coming up in just a matter of moments, but right now we want to go right back to the phone lines. Quick questions, quick responses on our part. Let's start out in Glencoe with Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce, I uh, had uh, the big chicken at Max and Penny's on Monday. How but was that? Like... Good as usual? Oh, it's always fabulous. Try the crepe next time. Nah, that's what my kid gets. Okay. Um, my question is, this is a fabulous baseball season, great pennant races, terrific performances, and you look at the box scores every day, and Miami and Tampa Bay can't draw flies. I, I saw Miami. It reminded me of the Sox in 69 and 70. You get 5,000 people for a game. Is Major League Baseball going to address those franchises? Yep. They're just a waste yes, of players are. and teams. I think so, especially Thanks, if Tampa doesn't get a uh, a new uh, stadium. I mean, Miami has one. The new ownership is committed to it. We'll see how they do with it. Tampa doesn't get a new stadium. I think Las Vegas, David, is the next move. Uh, that is already proved out with a hockey team there. Football um, coming. Baseball, football coming. Baseball could be next. Uh, that is, uh, especially with the new gambling laws going to, mm-hmm. into place everywhere in the country, I think that's the most viable move. But yeah, Florida has com- com- been a complete dud for Major League Baseball throughout, and it's it's just unfortunate. But uh, those are football cities, football towns, football states, and they, they really never had the mentality of going to baseball games throughout a uh, summertime. All right, let's go back to the phone lines, Lake Station, and Dennis. Go ahead, Dennis. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I have just two quick questions. What's the status on Drew Smiley, and is there any chance that the Cubs may still try to pick up another pitcher? I'll hang up and listen for your answer. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dennis. Miley? 
Uh, Drew Smiley. Oh, Smiley. <laughs> All right. Drew Smiley is attempting to come back. He's, uh, they're hoping to send him out on a, a rehab start soon. Uh, he's been dealing with uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery. It's been just about a year right now. They were hoping for him to be available in September. He may well be toward the end, but they're not counting on it. All right. Well, one more before hopefully we get Jim Riggleman on the line here. Let's stay in the city, south side, and Mark. Go ahead, Mark. You're on inside the clubhouse. Hey, guys, real quick. Uh, the Hugh Darvish issue, I just want to know, because I have no idea how a lot of these contracts work. If they're, like, stuck uh, with this Derrick Rose-type situation where they got so much money into him, and I, and I commend the Cubs for, like you said earlier, moving on, what are the Cubs' option, though, to get – to get out from underneath some of that money because that is a ton of money to just be sitting there. And I'll listen for the answer. Thanks, guys. It's Thanks, a Mark. very simple answer, zero. <laughs> Not the happiest of answers they, they either. Are, they're on the hook for another $104 million left over five years. And unless Mr. Darvish decides to retire and it's not a forced retirement because of injury, um, and he, he decides to give up the rest of that, which would be something I've never seen before. Um, he, he's going to get paid. And this is not, um, David, people should know, this is not Tommy John waiting here. This is a, a simple issue of a stress reaction. Uh, yesterday, um, uh, Alec Mills, who threw that uh, those really five and two-thirds good innings for the Cubs coming up from Iowa, talked about having the same thing a year before that coming back and uh, his arm is in good shape so this is not a threat of uh, Tommy John surgery again for you Darvish this is uh, waiting six to nine weeks and then starting over again in spring training all right Bruce let's change gears we have a very special guest who is joining us right now and I'll let you do the introductions well he's uh, your former Cub manager former Padre former Washington manager Seattle and uh, is one of the best uh, baseball men in the game our good friend Jim Riggleman, the manager of the Cincinnati Reds, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Jim. Hi, Bruce. How you doing? We're doing good. David and I are here to uh, talk to you a little bit about, let's, let's start with this. A very strange day yesterday for you and your team where your starting pitcher, Matt Harvey, who has been outstanding for you since you acquired him from the Mets a few months ago, was uh, waiting to see if a trade was going to go through between you and the Milwaukee Brewers, and you had to wait until 12.30, basically 50 minutes before he was supposed to take the mound to find out if he was going to pitch or not. How, how bizarre was that? How, was, how different was that for you and the clubhouse? Well, it's a little different, but, you know, Matt has been around for a while. He's a real pro, and he, he um, was, you know, he's, he's been through this, not necessarily himself, but his teammates through the years, he's seen a lot of this happened so he he handled it very well we I, I called him the night before and told him look uh you're you're pitching tomorrow so you know be ready to go and he was and he you know we we did have to wait to um you know get the final verdict on it but uh we were we were very confident that he was going to be pitching hey jim uh i'm just looking at your bio here and and obviously Bruce and I both have dealt with you for a long time here in the game. You're probably the youngest 65-year-old manager ever in baseball. So compliments to you for being, uh, you know, in the shape that you are, so to speak. But, you know, you've dealt with a lot of ball players over the years. I'm just wondering, going back to when you first started managing to now, 
How have you, A, changed, and how have you differed with the players that you, you know, the young men that you're dealing with then and now? How's the experience been different for you over the years? Yeah, well, David, I tell you, you know, there there are some differences, and you do have to uh, uh, adapt and change with the times. You know, there's there's more information. There's players have more information. You're dealing with um, with them on, on a level that they didn't used to deal with you. Uh, you know, they they now have so much information uh, that they can get. So you got to be, you know, you better be on the ball with what you're telling them because they'll they'll tell you, well, that's that's not the way I see it, you know. But um, for the most part, it hasn't really changed that much. My experience with it is still that, uh, you know, ball players, uh, you know, they they'll let you know when they need some attention, whether it's negative or positive, and you bring them in the office, and you can still communicate very well with a player when you're, you know, have them in your office by yourself and you talk straight to them and, um, you know, just uh, let them know your feelings of, of how he's playing and congratulate them and get on them every now and then. And they respond to those same um, human emotions. So that part hasn't changed, but not to get too long winded on it, but I'll tell you this, David, the thing that has changed is how we have to handle the pitching. The, the uh, managers in the past, you know, you put your starter out there and let them go, and those days are gone. You know, you're, we're carrying at least one, if not two, extra pitchers on the roster now. Fewer bench players. Um, you know, it's 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 taking a lot of pitchers to get through nine innings of a ball game. The fastball, the well placed fastball, has always been the best pitch in baseball, Jim. I think most people say that. When you have uh, two fastball pitchers who have good breaking balls like Strope and Iglesias um, get beat on uh, sliders that are hanging sliders that impact and eventually end the game, uh, how, how difficult is that for a manager to, to leave a game like that, knowing, uh, you know, like with the Bodie situation yesterday, you have an 0-2 count and, and he hangs the slider and the game's over. How tough is that knowing that maybe that's not his best pitch at that time? Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, he had thrown a couple sliders before that that weren't real good. And, you know, usually when he throws a bad slider that he gets away with, and fortunately he got away with a couple, usually he will make the adjustment and say, wow, I, you know, I can't let that happen again. i got to bear down and, and bury this slider. But he he left it in there again. He hung it again, and... Um, you know, it's, these, these are human beings. They are going to make mistakes. And um, that was a tough one, though, because, uh, as you say, it's 0-2. Uh, you, you can't defend the home run. You know, Murphy hit a home run. You know, we, we can't defend that. If we keep it in the ballpark, we we live for the next hitter. But, um, uh, yeah, we made we made some bad pitches late in the ball game yesterday, and a few of them we got away with. Uh, stroke. Uh, really hung one to Suarez, and uh, he did what you're supposed to do with it. I'm sure, you know, they were shaking their head over there as well. Right, and, and you know, you look at, you look at what happened to to 0-2 counts, ten, fifteen years ago, where it was automatic that a guy would never see a strike on an on an 0-2. Yeah. Well, what what happened to that philosophy? What happened to it now? Almost being an advantage for a hitter sometimes because they will see a a, a pitch in the strike zone. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, that that pitch has got to be a, a, a well-located fastball or a chase breaking ball. It can't be a strike. And um, 
the now you know obviously if it's if it's a widespread score that's different but sure. um you know Jim Tracy who's a great baseball man manager of the Dodgers he as he said when you know when you, if you if you are going to try to pitch around somebody or if you're throwing an 0-2 pitch that you want to make sure nothing bad happens, you really should use your fastball. Your fastball should be the, the number one pitch that you can locate and have control of. So if you want to throw it out of the zone, then you should be able to do that with a fastball. The breaking ball, there is always a chance that you're going to, that one's going to back up on you and you hang it. And that's exactly what happened uh, uh, to us and to the Cubs yesterday. Hey, Jim, I was in your office with a group of reporters after Thursday night's game. You were very complimentary of Cole Hamels. He pitched a doozy of a game, by the way. And I'm just wondering, yep. you know, how, how often do you see guys getting traded from a team that's a little lower in the standings, obviously, to a team that's contending like the Cubs, and they're just recharged or rejuvenated, whatever adjective you want to use. I mean, his his velocity is up, his his breaking pitches are, have more movement on them. Yeah. I mean, is this a yeah. normal occurrence for a guy who's got talent to begin with? You know, I I think um, it, it, you said it. I mean, he seems to be rejuvenated. I've caught a couple of the Cubs games on TV and, and watched him pitch, and he was outstanding, and, and he was really good the other night. Um, you know, kudos to um, uh, the Cubs' um, front office, their, their scouting to, to go pull the trigger on – on Hamels and Murphy, and you know that's that's really who did us in here. You know, Mur- uh, Hamels shuts it down for nine. Not only is he beating you, but he saves their bullpen. And then uh, you know the position player they go get Murphy hits a home run to put him ahead. And you know that's uh, that's got to be a great feeling for their front office. Jim Riggleman with us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Schuster and Levine. We're here for you every Saturday talking baseball, fifty-two weeks out of the year from 9 to 11 a.m. on the score. Jim, uh, when you look at St. Louis, the very resurgent St. Louis Cardinals in Milwaukee, you've had a lot of games to play against uh, these teams all year long. Now you're looking at a a much different St. Louis team and in many ways a much different uh, uh, Milwaukee team that's now more offense-oriented than they were before, less defense who do you think is going to uh, going to be the uh, you know the team that pushes the Cubs the rest of the way, or do you look at it as a, a three-team dogfight? I think it's going to be a three-team dogfight because um, you know every club helped themselves. Um, I think Milwaukee helped themselves. They just went out and got more offense. Um, they um, the the Cardinals I felt needed a left-handed bat. They went out and got Adams. Uh, you guys, I don't know what if you really needed all that, but you went out and made two great moves, as we said, with Hamels and Murphy. Um, so you know, these when we play against these teams, it's it's very challenging because they were tough to begin with, and now they they're trying to set themselves up for the playoffs. They've really improved themselves, and that that Cardinal pitching all of a sudden you know you've got these young guys there that are just really throwing the ball extremely well to the point where you take up martinez and put him in the bullpen it makes them that much stronger down there um really the division has really taken a step forward i personally went into the season thinking the national league central all of a sudden isn't that great but i I was wrong and i'm even more wrong now the national league central is extremely strong, and those the three teams I, I think are going to fight it out to the end. 
Hey, Jim, I got to ask you, because Joe Madden talks all the time about some of the uh, minor league stops that he was in, the Midlands and everywhere else. And and you were in, in quite a few cities also before you know, attained the major league level for managing. You were in St. Petersburg, you're in Pensacola, Arkansas, Shreveport, Louisville, Las Vegas. What what are your favorite memories from some of those stops? Because Joe Madden has has such a smile on his face when he talks about some of his experiences. I tell you, I, I love minor league baseball. Uh, you know, I played seven years. Uh, my greatest experience playing was in 1980 in Little Rock. My managing years in Little Rock, uh, but just the, the whole experience and so much of it is about the relationships you forge and the comments that you hear on the bus rides and the players needling each other and the camaraderie and uh, the whole experience is it's, I mean, you could write a book about it. You know, people, people have tried to make movies about it, but it's really hard to, to really capture what that's all about. And, you know, the, these players in today's world don't, don't know what the term means vaudeville, you know, but, uh, some uh, years ago, a player said, somebody said, where'd you play last year? He said vaudeville, which, you know, uh, <laughs> though, and, it, and it really was like that. You know, those old time entertainers, you know, Bob Hope and those guys were traveling all over the, all over the uh, country in these little towns doing their act. And that's kind of like where minor league baseball is, you know, you were taking your act to the next city, uh, whether it be Shreveport or um, Fort Myers or, you know, wherever it is, it's just a wonderful experience that you you wouldn't trade it for anything. Riggs, you've done a fantastic job handling the Reds. Actually, you've been a great manager everywhere you went. Some uh, dips and and tips in the certain areas kind of uh, predicated you not staying somewhere for a real long time other than San Diego and Chicago. What are your thoughts about going forward with Cincinnati? Are you – Hopeful to get a commitment from them a long time here. Certainly you deserve it. Uh, the Reds have been tough as nails uh, since you took over the team, uh, you know, a few months ago. And I'm wondering if uh, if something uh, for long term is in the future for you. Well, you know, that that's the word you use, Bruce, hopeful, that I'm hopeful. Uh, I will say this, you know, uh, I, I've loved managing everywhere I've been, including the minor leagues. Um uh, I've enjoyed the experience. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor to be doing it. I want to continue to do it. Um, there was a time where I probably was a little bit obsessed with doing it. Uh, after my experience in Washington, um, you know, the way it ended there, I didn't think I would get a chance to, to do it again. But here I am, and I'm just enjoying the moment so much. If, if, it's, if it ends here, I will, uh, you know, just be so grateful that I got the experience. I'm, I'm, I'm very much at peace with it, and uh, but I do very much want to continue. And Jimmy, you you have fans all around baseball. Every stop that you've ever been to, I mean, you're just one of the upstanding guys that uh, we reporters have to deal with. So we certainly appreciate that. Uh, real quickly, what what do you think of some of the changes at Wrigley Field? Some that. You know, you haven't. I don't know if you went into the uh, the new clubhouse for the Cubs. That's a far cry from the old one, certainly. Uh, and maybe one of these days, I'll even update uh, the visiting clubhouse as well. But what do you think of some of the changes that have been done at the ballpark? I, I like the changes. I, I think they're great. You know, we've kept the uh, the charm of the stadium. Um, you know, it's uh, you still have the ivy, the beautiful uh, scoreboard. Um, you know, I like the look out in left field of the rooftop seating out there. You know, that's unique. 
it's got the charm and uniqueness that no other place has. And this visiting clubhouse, by the way, this is the new clubhouse. You know, I I was fortunate enough to uh, get to the big leagues in 89 at the old clubhouse in uh, the visiting side. So uh, what what we come into here now that I'm sure will be renovated uh, in the next couple of years, but this is way bigger than the old one was. So, um, you know, I think it's, 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 interesting to hear yeah Yeah, our our players complain about this clubhouse i'm thinking you should have seen it before (laughs) it was a phone booth (laughs) yes (laughs) hey hey, jim uh, we appreciate uh it very much uh more more importantly uh just coming on you know your friendship over the years has meant a lot to both david and myself and uh the one thing i always say about jim riggleman managing his team might get beat, uh, but Jim Riggleman uh, never gets uh, gets outfoxed or outmanaged. So keep up the great work, and thanks for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse today. Well, I thank you for the kind words, and David and Bruce, uh, I'll see you out here. Thank right, you, Jimmy. Take care. Jim Riggleman, a, a gentleman first, an outstanding baseball man right there along with it. All right, Bruce, let's take a break here. We really appreciate Jim Riggleman joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll go right back to the phone lines when we come back. We'll be back right after this. Ten minutes in front of 10 o'clock, Saturday morning. Welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster in studio. Bruce Levine out at Wrigley Field. The Cubs take on the Reds again this afternoon as they try and make it four straight wins, three in this particular series against Cincinnati. Good ball game yesterday, Bruce. I mean, again, David Bodie for the second time in less than two weeks. I called the one a couple of weeks ago on that Sunday night. I think you remember that one. I didn't call yesterday's home run, but I was certainly glad to see it because we were looking at a long ball game Other, if that wasn't the case. Who did you call it to? Uh, Kelly Krull and the, the people in the uh, sitting down getting ready to go on the field? Where, where, where did you call it? Well, that Sunday night game uh, when he had the grand slam. Okay. Um, I called it. Uh, actually, I was downstairs in the interview room. So I said right beforehand, I said, he, if they put a fastball down the middle, that was that night, that Sunday night game. If they put a fastball down the middle, of which they did, I said it was going into the bleachers, but he hit it to center field that night. If we had legal gambling in Illinois right now, you could have just phoned <laughs> it in. And Stay you, tuned. And you could have called Mitch on that Monday morning and said, you know, I've enjoyed working at the score all these years. However, there is an island in Hawaii that I'm going to be on the rest of my life. Yeah, right now it's underwater, though, unfortunately, from the hurricane. But, uh, yeah, um, it it was really exciting yesterday. And David Bodie, I I love his personality. I mean, yeah, he's real excited about everything, obviously. But if you notice, and I know you do, Bruce, he constantly is deferring in a polite way to the veteran players. He's not getting carried away with himself. He, he definitely defers to the veterans. And I know the, his, his teammates in that clubhouse, they really appreciate him, not only on the field, but off the field as well. well. He was in an 0, 0 for 18 and a uh, 3 for 25, you know, after that home run that he hit uh, a couple weeks ago. So it hasn't been all gravy for him. But the, the cool thing about... David Bodie is that he's a professional player. He goes out there and he makes all the plays on defense. As you said, he's so level-headed that he's a, a plus every time he's out there. He'll give you a good at bat. Uh, they found, you know, some ways to get him out. The high fastball is one way that they've gotten him out quite a bit. When you when you hang a slider to a professional hitter like David Bodie, he's going to do exactly what uh, what he did. And uh, you know, certainly uh, that is, was an exciting. A game again yesterday, David, but, um, you know, just getting all these uh, really good players and good play from Cubs, from Cubs guys uh, stepping up, 
has been really fun to watch. I mean, it's not the dominant Cub team that we saw in 2016. It's not the comeback kids who uh, dominated from the All-Star game on last year after a terrible first half. It's a different team with a, a different formula. I mean, you realize right now, David, that um, they only have 12 players on the active roster today from the 2016 team, okay? 12 today. I'm talking about the roster today with, with Montgomery, Bryant, and Russell on the DL. So you have four pitchers. You have Hendricks, Lester. You have Edwards and Strope. That's it from the 2016 champions. Position-wise, Contreras, Almora, Baez, Rizzo, Listella, Hayward, Zobris, and maybe you want to count Schwarber, but he wasn't a part of the team until the World Series. So you have 11-12 players still left, and uh, this is uh, another team competing again for the fourth year in a row to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, Hats off to Madden and his coaching staff. Uh, certainly hats off to Epstein and Hoyer that just don't stand still and keep moving forward. Hey, Bruce, let's try and sneak in a couple of calls real quickly before we have to go to break, and let's start out in Crystal Lake and Bob. Go ahead, Bob. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. I enjoyed your interview with Riggleman, fellas, but I'm disappointed you didn't ask him about the significance of the nickname on his jersey yesterday, Lily. Do you guys know what what... I mean, why would they call a guy named Jim Riggleman Lily? Well, I could tell you, but then we would have to make plans to <laughs> be the last have show ever. Yeah. <laughs> use your Come imagination. On, Come on, Bob. Use your imagination. I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to that, Bruce. Do you? Uh, you know what? I'll you know I'll I'll text Riggs and he'll he'll tell me and I'll get it back to you in the next ten minutes. How's how's that, Bob? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm very surprised that guys as smart as you in sports. Don't know that. Yeah, well, we're not that smart, I guess. <laughs> hey, listen, we, right. bo- we both went to Southern Illinois University. How smart can we both be? Okay, that explains it. There you go. Although we both had a great time. All right, thanks, Bob. Appreciate your phone call. <laughs> hey, Bruce, let's take a break here right now. When we come back, we have more surprises in store for the final hour of Inside the Clubhouse. Including finding out what Lily actually means. Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll be back uh, right after this. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 